0: Good morning um, if you would turn in your Bibles to one Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 through 23 um, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version for though I am free from all I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law I became as one under the law though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I'm going to start with some wisdom from Star Wars. Uh, I try not to do it more than once a year. Because I'm not, I'm not like a Star Wars, I'm not a Lucas geek. I'm a Tolkien geek, but not a Lucas geek. That's, a, that's probably one over half of your heads. But I find that there's a lot of nuggets in the Star Wars story that are helpful. Uh, and here's one of them, think about this. When Darth Vader first invited Luke Skywalker to join forces with him, right? When he, when he reached out his hand and said, hey, join with me, together we can, we can rule the galaxy. Luke refused, absolutely refused. Think about it, he had just lost his hand because Vader chopped it off. Um, he, Vader overpowered Luke and then offered Luke a friendship and a partnership and Luke said no. And, and then Vader offers Luke this mind-blowing bit of information about Luke's origins, and Luke denied it. Luke was not ready to receive the truth uh, from this guy who browbeat him down, cut off his hand, and then, and then offered his own hand in friendship. Um, but when Vader, much later, when Vader became weak and compassionate the two were finally able to embrace. And here's the reason I bring it up. Truth is easier to embrace when its messenger has already embraced you. And sociologists will tell you this, that, uh, that I am more likely to, to embrace your point of view, your worldview as a community, your understanding of reality, if I already feel like you're treating me as a part of your community. Truth is easier to embrace when its messenger has already embraced you. I myself embraced Christianity uh, more and more as people in my life embraced me in very small, minor ways and in very profound ways. It started with my parents, and then as I got older, it was my peers who embraced me. And and mentors outside of my home began to embrace me. And uh, Christianity took a hold Uh, for good in me. Now, some of you may have had the opposite experience. Uh, You may have experienced Christians or religious people or church people um, judgmentally antagonizing you, trying to contend with you, like always trying to pick a fight with you, always feeling like they're opposing you. Um, You know, today's passage Uh, from Paul's famous letter uh, to the Corinthians, confronts two misconceptions that we have. The first misconception is actually one that is held by many Christians, or church people, or the religious type, as you would think of them. And this is the misconception, that Christians must first oppose and debate and outwit their neighbors, and then embrace them. But Paul seemed to have done exactly the opposite. The second misconception has to do with what I think, for lack of a better word, non-believers, um, uh, unchurched people, are the people who feel that, that you're an outsider to Christianity or at least to church culture. This is the misconception that only certain types of people can fit into Christianity, that only certain types of people can be welcome. In the church. Now, I admit that may be the fault of Christians who who contended against you in an ungracious or an unwise way. And I'm sorry about that. But the idea that Christianity is not welcoming or inclusive is also wrong. In redemptive relationships, service comes before transformation. In redemptive relationships, serving one another, even our enemies, must come before transformation, before a truth exchange, before a change in worldview, before trust can be established. Paul would embrace people first, Paul would embrace people of all sorts and all backgrounds in order to contend for the truth in their lives. Paul would embrace people in order to contend for truth in them. Now embracing others as they are, and you heard Michaela talking to the kids about it earlier, embracing others as they are builds relationships. Look at what Paul said in verse 19. For though I am free from all... I've made myself a servant to all that I may win more of them. Now, Paul is calling himself free. And, and if you've read throughout the letter so far, and you may remember from chapter four, which we looked at uh, over the last two weeks, Paul was, was free, unhindered from the opinions and accusations and judgments of others. He had such confidence in who he was, not, not like not, uh, not because he was bragging, not because of an overinflated ego. He had so much confidence in who he was because of God's grace. Paul believed that God justified him, that he and nobody justified him. So he was free of people's opinions and judgmental attitudes. But even as a free person, Paul essentially enslaved himself. That, that's what he's saying. Though I am free... From the opinions and accusations and judgments of other people, I have made myself a slave, essentially to serve other people. I'm free, but I've enslaved myself to everybody. Now, here's how he did that. When you look at verse 20, he says a peculiar thing. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Now, if you've read your Bible or a little bit familiar with biblical history, you know that Paul was Jewish. So how can he, how can he as a Jew become as a Jew to Jews. This is a profound thing, and scholars basically believe that what Paul is saying is that he was so free and so unhindered by race and religion and politics that even his Jewishness played second fiddle to his identity as a Christian. Paul was able to say that as a Christian, His Jewishness was not the ultimate thing for him, even though he was Jewish. And so he's so free and unhindered by race, religion, politics, even his own race and his own religion, that he was free to serve anybody. He could serve anybody because he was unhindered by social, political, cultural, racial constructs. He served God alone, and that made him free to serve anybody. So this is what he says. He goes on to say in verse 20, in light of that, to those under the law, meaning the law of Moses, okay? He's talking about Judaism in which he was raised. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Paul was mindful, even after he became a Christian, Paul was mindful and respectful of Judaism when he was in a Jewish context. If you read Acts chapter 16, Paul had his apprentice, Timothy, who was half Jewish. He had a, he had a, gen, he had a Gentile, Timothy had a Gentile mother uh, and, and a Jewish father, but he was uncircumcised because he was basically raised as a Gentile. Paul had Timothy circumcised because they were going into Judaic country. They were going to be ministering to a Jewish community and people would have not listened to them if Timothy... Was not circumcised. And so, this is something culturally that they did in order to reach the Jewish community in which they were going. But he goes on, he says something else. He says in verse 21 To those outside the law, now he's talking about Gentile context, Greek and Roman context in that day. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. If you read Acts chapter 17, Paul quoted the Greek poets to try and make his point to Greek audiences. If you read Galatians chapter two, you discover that Paul believed it was perfectly acceptable for him as a Jew to eat with Gentiles. Though, though a good Jewish boy would know that you don't, you don't eat with Gentiles, you don't touch food that Gentiles touched, you'd be ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. And Paul learned that it was, because he was a Christian, it was fine to do that because he was free. And here's the point that he's trying to make about himself. In any situation, Paul embraced people as they were by appealing to some aspect of their shared humanity without compromising his principles and his identity. He embraced people as they were by finding a point of contact, by finding a bridge on which he could build in their shared humanity with him. It, I've thought about this all week. It is a gracious thing that God sends to us people, people who, um, who embrace us just as we are and are willing to be patient. They don't embrace us as the person they want us to become and the person that they see we're clearly not, but they're willing to just embrace us as we are. That's a gift. People aren't naturally that way. It's a gift that God sends us people who just embrace us where we are. I think of my college days the inter- the, I was on a secular campus in upstate New York, and, and the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship director encouraged me to get involved. Encouraged me to get involved on campus, uh, to get involved in student leadership, to be a witness, to kind of step up. And for about two years, I kept finding creative ways to say no. And, but, but the one that stuck the, the reason I believed I couldn't serve, that I couldn't step up, uh, was I wanted my free time. Apart from my studies and classes and the little that I did, you know, I would worship at church and I'd go to inter meetings every week, but, but I wanted my free time because as a musician, I was a music major. I wanted extra time on my own to go out and perform. I wanted to do gigs and play in bands, and I wanted exposure, and I, I wanted to you know, perfect my craft and perform and get out as much as I could, and I needed free time to do that, and I didn't want to be bound. So I just kept saying no for two years. But Glenn, his name was Glenn, Glenn never rejected me. Actually, I thought about it this week for the first time in years. Glenn came to my gigs. I'd be there performing in a coffee house or like a club or something. And, and my friends were there and people were there who I knew on campus and there was Glenn. He was almost always there. You know, he could have rejected me. He could have, he could have told me off. He could have written me off. But he just met me where I was at. In a sense, to use Paul's phrasing, to those under the spell of Beethoven and the Beatles, Glenn became as one under the spell of Beethoven and the Beatles to reach me. He embraced me as I was, and that was critical because it kept the door open in my life for future change. And so Paul could say in verse 22, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I have a question for you. When Paul said that, was he being fake? Paul says, I've become all things to all people. Is he being a poser? Is he being a yes man or a salesman or a chameleon? Essentially, was Paul being disingenuous? What do you think? I want short answers because we don't have a lot of time, but yes or no and why? Is Paul being disingenuous here? I saw some people going, yeah. Okay, so you feel he was so comfortable and confident in who he was as a Christian that, that, he, could, uh, that he could navigate into all these different areas and people would feel that this is, he's just who he is. He's just being who he is. He's so comfortable in who he is that he's able to navigate into different areas. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so anyone else? If you think differently, that's fine. I'd love to hear it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you're saying he's not being disingenuous because he's, be, he's being all things to all people for their good and not his own. That's, that's helpful because you know the people in your life or that, who you work with um, that you don't really trust because they're always giving you the answer. You can, you can start sniffing somebody out when you realize this person always tells me what this person thinks I want to hear. This is a yes person. I don't really know what they believe or what they think or what they wanna do, because they're always presenting themselves as, yeah, sure, whatever you wanna do. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, in the back. Um,
0: uh,
1: He saw that people were created in the image of God yeah people don't care what you say until you know how much until they know how much you care thank you yeah when we dehumanize people then we're willing to do anything we want with them Uh, but Paul saw that every 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 person was a creature created in God's image and and um, and that guided him excellent somebody over here yeah no I don't know was somebody wow okay That's a good point. By, like, not, not bound by the law. He's, he's uninhibited by pressures, which, which was hard for, it was still hard for the apostles. It was very hard for Peter. And, and Paul had to help Peter see that. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe one more. Somebody who hasn't spoken yet. Yeah. you. So Paul's already emulating Jesus, whom he claims he claims to follow. Um, great. Yeah, maybe that was a leading question, but uh, good answers. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't believe Paul's being disingenuous at all, even though he says, I've, I'm all things to all people, to win some uh, so that some might be saved. I don't think it's disingenuous at all. And here, And, and along the lines of what you've said, Here's why. I think I, you see a balance in Paul. Look, he embraced other people as they were. And by doing that, he built relationships with people where they could trust him and they could see his authenticity. But once embracing them, he contended. He wasn't a pushover and he wasn't, he wasn't a, a relativist and he wasn't purely subjective. The getting to know one another is subjective, but then he got objective. Paul contended for truth in people's lives. He believed something. He had a moral compass. He he met people. He embraced them as they were, but then he contended for the truth in their lives. He contended for what they could become by the truth and grace of God. And that's what brings redemption. Embracing people builds relationships, but contending for truth in one another's lives, that's what brings redemption. Paul never forgot, as you've said, Paul never forgot who he was. Paul never forgot who made him who he was. And it's right here in these verses. With a Jewish audience, within a Judaic community, and and the Jews would have understood themselves to be bound by the Mosaic law, Paul would adapt, but he would never forgot that he was still free. Free because of God's grace. Look at verse 20 again. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. See, he respected religion. He didn't write it off. He respected religion, but he lived by faith. Respect religion, acknowledge religion, but he lived by faith in God's grace, which saved him. And so he said in another place to the Galatians, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Now in a Gentile community with a Gentile audience, and now as you've been reading through the Corinthians, Corinthian church was largely a Gentile church. In a Gentile audience, he was surrounded by people who thought there were no boundaries to anything. It was just the opposite. They didn't feel feel bound. They felt completely unhindered. Everything is acceptable for me. He keeps quoting their phrase in Corinth. I can do whatever I want with whomever I want, whenever I want. And in that environment, Paul was respectful, but never forgot that he was bound to the God who saved him. Look at verse 21. To those outside the law, so he's talking about Gentiles, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Give me one commandment of Christ. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? A commandment that Jesus gave. Go and make disciples. disciples. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the law of Christ. That's what he was bound to. He never forgot that objectivity. He respected the irreligious. So here's a guy who respected the religious and he respected the irreligious, but he lived by objective truth. And so he said to the Romans, are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace by no means? having been set free from sin, we've become slaves of righteousness. He's saying, I I have a new master now. My old master was the law and I couldn't fulfill it. My new master is Jesus who fulfilled the law for me. And in Jesus, I am free. I am not bound by anybody's opinion or by anybody's construct, but I belong to Jesus now. He's my Lord. I'm, not my, I'm still not my own Lord. I'm free, but I'm not my own Lord, is what Paul's saying. So the Christian has the freedom to adapt. If you're a Christian, you are free to adapt your style, your approach, even, even your accent. I always drift back when I go to New York or if I'm around my relatives too long, words start coming out and I get really fast and I get a headache Anyway. Um, so, So you can adapt. You are free to adapt your style, your approach, your customs, to love people as they are. But the Christian is entrusted and bound with truth that shows people what they can become, what God calls them to become. So if you're a Christian, it is your calling to earn the moral passport and the social passport to establish trust in the relationships in your life, to establish trust, earn that moral and social passport to share in people's lives. And then that provides a healthy context in which you can contend for the gospel in their lives. Christians should not contend In order to embrace people, Christians should embrace people in order to contend. The Christian embraces as they are because God's embraced you as you were. And the illusion of strength, right? The illusion of strength and the facade of pride stifles all of this. Pride and the illusion of strength stifles redemptive relationships. We're usually resistant to becoming vulnerable or to appearing vulnerable. It's not not easy to be vulnerable. Paul had to go through a lot in his life to become a vulnerable man, to be free as he says he is. And we're pretty much all skeptical of change. And sometimes... Uh, that creates an unwelcoming environment in a church. Uh, Sometimes that creates an unwelcoming demeanor in you when you interact with people, especially in conflict. Back to my college days, while I kept people at a distance, because ultimately that's what I was doing, as I kept people at a distance and serving myself, my relationships were pretty shallow. And there was little room for healing in my life. You can't heal in a shallow relationship. Paul later would say, if you you keep reading into into chapter 10, Paul is eventually going to say this, give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. (laughs) Don't offend anybody. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Question for us Christians and for us churchgoers is this when you read Paul's words there, do you, do you think that way? Do you think that way? That you're you're really trying hard not to offend anybody, but serve them instead? You know, as you look at the culture around you and you believe you're you're starting to lose your rights. Do you, do you think this way, that, that you're, you're a servant and you're willing to serve anybody, anywhere, even if you're losing your rights? You know, if you go back to verse 15, which we didn't cover today, Paul says, I'm an apostle. I've had all sorts of rights because I saw, it, I saw Jesus. And he told me to preach the gospel and to be a missionary. Paul had all sorts of rights that you and I don't have. And he said in verse 15, I gave all of those rights up for the sake of reaching people for Jesus. Paul gave up his rights. Are we willing to do that in order to serve other people? I have a question for you if you're not a Christian, if you see yourself as an outsider to Christianity, an outsider in some form, or you're skeptical of it. Let me ask you this. Have you killed the messenger without hearing the message? Some people have really messed up. Some Christians have, as messengers, I've really made a mess of things. And I'm sorry about that. But there is a message that's worth hearing. Have you turned your ear off to that message because of the way people have acted? It, it kind of It's understandable, but I thought of it this way. If I, I really want to see Endgame, Avengers Endgame, which is coming out in the next month, um, if I show up at the movie theater to see this, which I hope will be a great movie, if I show up and the ticket attendant... You know, the person you got to get past with the ticket stub to get back to the theater is just really obnoxious and rude, you know, you know, bad business philosophy, just this person's the pits. You know, I could tear up my ticket and throw my popcorn at him and walk out of, and now I'm going to miss out on a great story. I'm going to miss a great movie. The movie, you know, that, that grouchy ticket attendant is not a reflection on the message in the movie maybe your reflection on the establishment, but not on the message. And just ask yourself, you know, broken people have tried to talk to you and maybe they did it in an unwise way and in an ungracious way, but the message is golden. The message is pure. The message is life-giving. They were broken. They were broken when they came to you and spoke to you, but aren't you broken? Don't don't give up on the message just because you had to turn your ear away from the messenger. I, I actually think that this whole idea that Paul illustrates in his life and ministry and in, with these words, this embracing to contend idea, this habit, it really embodies the gospel of redemption itself, the gospel the good news of God's healing salvation. Look, Paul appealed to people's humanity in another very important way. It's probably the most important way in the passage. And it's not about being under the law or not being under the law. He says in verse 22, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. This is the key to all of it. Notice he did not say to the weak I became as weak. He said, to the Jews, I became as a Jew. To the Gentiles, I became as a Gentile, right? Which, which means he still knew who he was. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, to the weak, I became as weak. This is the proof that he's genuine. He says, to the weak, I became weak. This is who he was. He was a weak man. And vulnerability, he allowed them to see his weakness. If you go back to chapter two, he says to them, because they were so impressed with these philosophers and he came to them, not a philosopher. And he said, you remember how I came to you? In weakness, in much fear and trembling. That's why they don't like him. That's why they're, they're judging his credibility as an apostle because he wasn't impressive. He came to them in weakness and much fear and trembling. And in his next letter to them, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he tells them, he reveals even more of his weakness to them. Here's he's becoming even more vulnerable. He says, you know, I have this thorn in the flesh and it won't leave me alone. And it's a distraction in my life and it compromises my ability and my effectiveness. And I've asked Jesus three times to take it away and three times he said no. But this is why Jesus told me no. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more. See, he's telling a bunch of people who are boasting in themselves. He goes, this is why I boast and this is what I boast in my weakness because in my weakness, Christ's strength comes out. That's why I'm vulnerable because the power of God isn't going to be seen in my pride. It's not going to be seen in my display of strength to you. He says... I will boast in my weakness because the power of Christ rests upon me in my weakness. And here's what we learn. That the gospel is about how vulnerability leads to redemption. Without exception, vulnerability leads to redemption. So if you're a Christian, if, if you would become weak, not as weak, if you would become weak you'd be more likely to embrace outsiders as they are. And if you're a skeptic or if you're an outsider or you see yourself that way as marginalized, if you would become weak, you'd be more likely to embrace the truth that Paul contends for in this letter. And the gospel The good news reveals that this is true after all. Romans chapter five, Paul said, while we were still weak, same word, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we come to the heart of the matter, friends. I become weak to reach the weak. Because my Lord Jesus became weak to reach me. God didn't become kind of weak, as weak, like weak, appearing to be weak. That's what the ancients thought. No, God could not have become a human being flesh and blood. He must have been a ghost. He must have been a spirit. He must have been like projected onto the human existence. But it wasn't really God in flesh and blood. They, 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 it scandalized them. They couldn't take it. No, Jesus became literally, physiologically, biologically, historically weak. Paul said in Ephesians 2, he was God and he didn't hold on to that right. He gave up his right to be God as a human being, to become a servant. And that principle led him to the cross. Redemptive relationships happen and we serve one another. In redemptive relationships, service comes before transformation. So Jesus embraced you as you were. Now you go and embrace others as they are. We can attempt to embrace anyone in Jesus' name. Let Jesus embrace you now so that he can contend in you for the truth that will heal you. Let's pray. Our Father, we are grateful that you didn't wait for us to wake up. You didn't wake. You didn't wait for us to wise up. You didn't wait for us to behave or to be clever or creative, even when we weren't interested in you at all, even when we were dead, Christ died for the ungodly, um, we are blessed. We rejoice in your grace to meet us where we were at, and we rejoice in your commitment to not leave us where we were at, to not leave us as we were, but to transform us into your likeness, to become like you. Thank you. We receive it. We live by faith in the grace of God. Help us now to embrace one another and to embrace our community and to embrace our neighbors and even our enemies as they are in hopes that you, by your power and your grace, will contend for the truth in their lives through our witness, and especially, at least at first, through our acts of kindness. In your name, we praise you and celebrate your salvation. Amen.